All right. Good evening, everyone. Hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Yivamos Daf Kuf Chaf, 120th Blada Maseches Yivamos. Um, a reminder again that tomorrow night we'll be at the Robinson wedding. We'll learn Daf Yomi there. You're welcome to bring your Gemara, but you don't need to. I'm going to bring 50 copies of the Daf. Can't imagine there's going to be that many people, but I'd rather overprint than underprint. And we are now starting on the bottom of Kuf Yitzhak Bays. Six lines from the bottom. We had discussed a case in the Mishnah, which is just above where we're starting, of Nisyavmu. Let's say that these women gave edus about themselves, and then they actually uh, got married to brothers who mesu hayivamin, and then their husbands died. Assuredly, he must say that Tanakama holds that they're not allowed to remarry because the edus had a shelf life, and the shelf life ran out. It's a single-use edus. However, uh, that is the Tanakama Rabbi Lazar Omer Once the edus works, the lenient edus works. We're therefore allowed to use it for all future weddings, and there's no reason uh, to to trap that woman in marriage. It's just mutter. The edus works once; it works forever. Now the Gemara is going to try to get into the uh, to the deeper understanding of Shitas Rabbi Lazar why it works. Asks the Gemara, Boy Boy Rava, my time de Rabbi Elazar. What is the rationale for Rabbi Elazar? to allow for the edus that was used for the initial case of being married to future marriages. There's two possibilities. One is mishum de kasavar tzara me'ido lechaverta. This is a transformative mechudashita. The whole last many blood, we've been saying that when there's a strained relationship between two people, you cannot give edus uh, between one another. It's unacceptable. Yet here, the Gemara says that maybe Rabbi Elazar is the uh, dissenting opinion on all of this. Maybe Rabbi Lazar holds that one is in fact allowed to give edus mi uh, from a tzara to the chaverta. That's an unbelievable idea. In fact, the Gemara referred to the tzara uh, as it related to their relationship as tzara de gufa. It's like a really deep dislike, and it's obviously reasonable to assume that they would have the, some of the greatest dislike of any other two people, which because they're sharing a husband, obviously. So that's one possibility, is that maybe the reason why Rebbe Lazar allows a woman, if her Yavam dies based on a marriage of Edus, then she's allowed to marry subsequent people because the Edus now works. Or no, because at this point, we don't assume that she's going to do something that's detrimental to herself because we, she's going to want to be married. Asks the Gemara, Kimina. What's the difference between these two approaches within Rebbe Lazar? This brings us to the top of Kuvchaf Aleph. The difference is, The difference would be whether or not the Tzara married before the woman in discussion. What does that mean? If really that a Tzara is allowed to give Edus on her friend, then, even if Rachel, the woman who is really in question, or even if she's not yet married, means Sabina and the Tsar, the Tsar could also get married because it was just Eidos. The Eidos is just honest Eidos, and we just trust her. Okay, we didn't say this before. That's she, the, the Chiddush of Rebbe Lazar. However, if it's all about the fact that she won't mess herself over, so then in that case, the Gemara posits that in Siv, first she should get married, and only then, min Sabina Leilatzara, and if in fact Rachel didn't get married, then the Tzara would not be allowed to get married. That's the difference between these two shitas. My, which one is it? Does Rabbi Lazar say, again, divergent from all of the previous blot on this discussion? Does Rabbi Lazar hold that the edus of a Tzara applies to Rachel? Uh, the edus is just valid edus, or no, that there's we're just under an assumption that she would not. Uh, mess herself over. And the Gemara presents two answers. Here's the first. Five lines down, Kufchaf Amidal. Toshma, we have a Brisa. Rebbe Lazar Omer, it's actually our Mishnah. Rebbe Lazar Omer, Hol Hutcher Li Yavamin, Hutcher She is allowed to get married. 
seemingly focusing on Rachel and discussing her immediate marriage. And the Gemara says, If you want to say that really the deeper reason behind Rebbe Lazar is because a woman is not going to sabotage her relationship, that makes sense. Because here, what does the line say in our Mishnah? That she's allowed to get married right away. No problem. Before even the Tzara does. Ella, if you wanted to say maybe like the other option, it doesn't work. If you want to say that really the edus was just valid edus, it's lechatchila at this point. Then Then it should even be the case that the tsara can get married before Rachel, and that's not how the Mishnah left its implications. Ella says the Gemara Shmamina. It seems to be the time of the Rebbe Lazar Mishum de Insiv who below Makal It seems to be that that is that that is a better response. That it is that she has to get married first, and the whole idea of Rebbe Lazar is that she's not going to self sabotage her relationship. To this, the Gemara says that's really not a good response because it's possible that in our Mishnah says the Gemara that really Rebbe Lazar ledivreim ka'amarlu. Rebbe Lazar wasn't talking about his own shita. Rebbe Lazar was speaking about the shita of the Rabbanon. How does this play out? What was he saying on their behalf and on his own behalf? So the Gemara says about twelve lines down. Lidi di, according to me, says Rebbe Lazar. I hold fundamentally that really a tzara can give edus on her on her co-wife. And even if Rachel doesn't get married first, we still allow for the tzara to get married first because it's not about uh, it's not about the other option of not self-sabotaging her relationship. It's just good edus, and anyone can get married first. Elalidhurabalazar posits on behalf of the Rabbanon, but according to you, Oduli Mihas, you should at least agree to me, the Hecha de Insiv, Misabnin, Misabinallah, Mishum de Mishum de Hilomakalkala Nafsha. So they give a svar on behalf of the Chachamim that really that maybe she should be able to get married, that if in fact Rachel gets married first, then the Tsar can also get married. So how did the Chachamim respond to this for Rabbanon? The Chachamim say back, Tamus Nafshim Plishtim Hudhidakabda. No, they don't, they don't agree. They say that she's even willing to, to go down with the ship. And there's every possibility that, uh, that Rachel is just creating this scenario of ruining everything for the Tzara. So this first approach doesn't work. We're still at our original question of what is the underlying rationale for the Shita of Rebbe Lazar, who embraces this continuing her, we allow Rachel to marry again and again on an edus that was seemingly a little questionable. So let's try with another approach. Third of the way down, Tashma. Reuven and Rachel go out of town. It's a honeymoon. Um, and then they tell her that her husband died. Oh, so here. Yeah. Uh, they went together, she came back. Yes, thank you very much. Correct. I apologize. She returned and said that her husband died. So the halacha is she can remarry. If we went back many blood, we would say, we just trust her. It's one ethos. However, vitsarasa asura. Oh, and what, is the, what does our Mishnah say about this, uh, the, the dissenting opinion? Rebbe Lazar Omer, hol vihutrahi, hutranami tsarasa. So what, is, what seems to be the case here? The Tanakama seemed to have been of the opinion that her edus only works for herself. What does Rebbe Lazar respond? No, her edus works even for the Tsar, which is a reasonable possibility. Says the Gemara, no, we actually might be missing a word in our brisa. What's missing? Maybe we need to add in a word that she actually had to get married first. 
which is like the other approach in Rebbe Lezer, which is about uh, Lomakalkala Nafsha. So therefore, we don't have a, an, an answer here either from this Brisa. Asks the Gemara, maybe we should say, if in fact there's a possibility that she's trying to, that she's trying to ruin the Tzara, Dilma Begita Asai. Really, maybe the husband's alive. She just got to get. She was divorced. And when she said that the husband died, that was maybe we should be concerned about that. And this is more in line with the previous blot uh, where we said that there was tension in the relationship. And says the Gemara, that would have been true. If Rachel married a Yisrael, you're right. We would have been concerned that Rachel might have lied about the whole thing. However, what must we be dealing with in our Bryce over here? Says the Gemara, so here she, if in fact, he, she's not going to argue that there was a get in that case, because that makes her look like a, an Avarya, that she's a, that she's a Grusha marrying a coin. So therefore that wasn't a possibility. We assumed that our, our Mishnah was talking about a case where she married a coin, and therefore we couldn't have been concerned about, the, about a divorce instead of death. That brings us to a new Mishnah. We deal with a lot of these things in modern science all the time, in modern era. How do we know that a person is a person when they've been killed? So what, what counts? Is it a tattoo? Is it a birthmark? Is it how much of their face do we need to see? And the Mishnah is going to detail this for us. And in fact, some of this will probably be surprising based on how we currently rely on, uh, on identifying people. So the Mishnah opens halfway down on You need to see the face itself and the nose must be intact, says the Gemara. And that's true. That's true, even if he has distinct marks on his body and even if he has distinct kalim on his body, a driver's license, the seemingly from the Mishnah, it's kalim, it's his clothing, it's external. Seemingly, that would not be sufficient. Next part of the Mishnah. You're not allowed to give testimony that a person has died unless they die in front of you. Even if you see a person who's been eviscerated or a person who's been, who's been hanged, that, that, that does not count. Or if you see animals that are, that are starting to nibble at the person's body, that's insufficient. We need to be present for Yitzhiyas Neshama to give testimony that this person actually died. Lastly, we only allow for testimony for the first three days after a person dies. Rashi is halfway down on the page. Within the first three days, no problem. Once you reach three days, the face changes, rigor mortis, the face is rigid, everything changes, the look, the color. It's very hard. I mean, we, would, we have refrigeration nowadays, so we're talking about finding a body after three days. So that's what the Gemara is saying. These are the, the various details within our Mishnah uh, about when we're allowed to give edus about a person's death. And uh, one opinion that seems to disagree with this line, we had just said only up to three days. Rabbi Huda bin Bava Omer, that's not true. Lochol ha'adam v'lochol ha'makom v'lochol ha'shaos shavit. You can't just give a hard and fast rule about three days. It depends what's going on. Uh, they uh, found uh, in the mountains across the globe a perfect mummy. I mean, perfect. And you can see that she looks like she's sleeping. Thousands of years old. There was no humidity. The temperature was perfect. Perfect scenario. It's hard to tell. 
She doesn't look like a, like a decomposed body. It's unbelievable. So not everything is the same. And therefore, you can't have a hard and fast rule like that. Let's get into some of the details. Two-thirds of the way down on Kufchaf Amudal. Padachas below parts of panim. If you have the forehead but not the main part of the face, or parts of panim below padachas, or you have the main part of the face but not the forehead, So this uh, brisa indicates that we have three minimum requirements to identify a body: forehead, face, and making sure that the nose is intact. What's the Pasuk that indicates that this is true? And the, the Pasuk reads a Pasuk from Yeshaya. We, we have to recognize the face. Says the Gemara story. Abba Bar Marta, who was the same person to have Abba Bar Minyumi. We've seen this before in Shas a couple of times, I believe. Yeah. So it says the Gemara, have a maski bay, de bay resh zuze. He needed to pass by the house of the Reish Galusa, but he had an outstanding debt, and that wasn't a good idea. They'll break your knee. So they gotta, he's got to swing by that house, but it's the only way to go. What's he going to do? He's got to get by. He didn't have the money to pay. Says Gemara, I see Kira. He brought wax. Davak Bibliosa. He poured some wax on a garment. Davak Be'apuse. And he put the wax on his face, and he made some type of mask, and then and they didn't recognize him. So what do we see from here? That the forehead is part of the face. Rashi indicates we're talking about the forehead over here. Okay. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara, that seems to imply it seems to be from our Mishnah. If you're saying that we need the, the face and we need the nose, but we ignore, but we ignore the kalim and we ignore... <clears throat> The simanim, that seems to imply that the simanim that would indicate that this is him, that they're not Doraisa. Had they been Doraisa, we'd say the guy has a tattoo, says his girlfriend's name on it, same guy. Says Igmar, those things don't seem to count. So let's uh, this is not so simple, or mini. <clears throat> we have a brisa <clears throat> that seems to say a little bit differently. Matzah, if you find a get kosher bakis, it's tied to his pocket. Ube arniki, it's tied to his wallet. Ube tabas, it's tied to his ring. Oshanim sabin kalev, or if the get is found among his utensils, afilu lizman meruba kosher. Oh, so there we see that the simanim do work. Why in our Mishnah do they not work? And why by the get do they work? So says the Gemara, Rabbi Lokasha, Ha Rabbi Elazar. Ben Mahavoy and Harabanan. It's a machlokas in the Tanaim as to whether or not we say that these items actually work to identify people. The Tanya, the Brysa writes eight lines from the bottom. You're not allowed to use a birthmark to identify a person. I have a distinct birthmark on my left arm, completely irrelevant, says the Gemara. And that's the Tanakama. Rabbi Eliezer ben Mavoy Omer Me'idin, you are allowed to use that. Oh, so maybe this is our machlokas between our Mishnah and the Mishnah that we just quoted over here about the get. Maybe we should say that according to our Mishnah, it seems to be that our Mishnah holds that Simonim are derabonon because we need the face and we ignore the clothes. In the case of the get, where we said that the get was kosher if it was found among your belongings, there it must be that that Tana holds that it's deoraisa. Says the Gemara, not correct. Omar Rava de Kule Alma Simonin deoraisa. 
Everyone agrees, says Rava, that the identifying factors of your private property, whatever's on your body, those things are indicative of who you are, even on a Torah level. And hacha b'shuma mitzuya b'ben gilo Here, what we're talking about is a birthmark that may also exist with other people born during the same tkufa. That's what Rashi says is going on here. Take a look at Rashi, six lines from the bottom of the page. And in this time, it was common for people to have, I don't think this is true now, uh, it's seemingly not the case, but maybe, just maybe, everyone uh, who was born in a certain era used to have a certain kind of birthmark. So that's what maybe what they're arguing about. And back in the Gemara, Mar Sabar Shuma Mitsuya Beben Gilo, that birthmarks are common with people born in the same time and the same uh, under the same mazel, another possible answer. Maybe what we would say is that yeah, you might have a distinct birthmark, but when people die, colors change, and maybe maybe the blood and the skin gets bloated. It's hard to tell. So it says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom. Some say that birthmarks are likely to change after death. Okay, and then another approach. We had mentioned Rava said that everyone agrees that Simonim are do raisa, but here says the Gemara, de Amre, Omar Rava de Kuliyama, really Simonim are de Rabbana. Really, that's a possibility. Ha'cha, what are we talking about? Bishuma, as we turn to the top of Kuf Chafam at base, Bishuma, Simon Mufa Kamifleget. If you have this birth market, it's super unique. Mar Sabar Simon Mufak, Umar Sabar Lab Simon Mufak, that birthmarks are simply not a good point to assess. And asks the Gemara a question. According to the first approach that we saw within Rava, that simonim, that your clothing and marks on your body are identifiers of who you are on a Torah level. How does he understand our Mishnah? Our Mishnah says, black on white, that you're not allowed to rely on what's on his goof and what's on his kalim. If you don't see the face and the nose, you're done for Fine. Great question. Says the Gemara, well, in regards to Gufo, it could be Da'aruch Vagutz, it could be a person's tall or a person's short. Height is not a factor of determining anything. Kalev, the Chayshin and Lesheila. And Kalev, the reason why our Mishnah precludes one's clothing and utensils from identifying who they are is because you could have lent them out to someone. Says the Gemara, if what we're worried about is lending things out, well, that's a problem because chamor, if you have a donkey, let's say that you find a saddle and the saddle, you, you, um, you took a hot iron and you branded your name in there. It says it's from Phil's farm. Everybody knows it's from Phil's farm and that's my donkey, says the Gemara. Maybe we should rely on that. Answers the Gemara, no. Lo inche ukva. People don't lend out saddles. Why not? It can damage the donkey. Saddles are, you got to put the blankets in just the right places. You have to bend the leather in just the right way. Nobody lends out saddles. Saddles are custom to the animal, and therefore, we don't lend it out. That's why we allow the saddle to be the identifier. But in general, we don't trust Caleb. Says the Gemara, wait one second. What about what we said in the, in the Bryce on the previous page? A quote from Masechah's Baba Metziah. There we said that if the get was found tied to one's pocket or one's wallet or one's ring, why is that reliable? Says the Gemara, Tabaas, nobody lends out their rings. Why not? It's a signet ring. Their rings would have whatever, their initials, some type of insignia, and they would use that. They would turn it over and they would stamp it into some wax to say, oh, this is my signature. So no one would ever lend that out. Maybe a person's going to get a new mortgage because of the signet ring 
ring that you lent them. We don't do that. When it comes to one's pocket, when it comes to one's wallet, that's menachshe in shivalamoshe. People don't lend that out because it's superstitious. What is that talking about? Menachshi, Rashi, just to our left, about a quarter of the way down in Rashi's. Dibur hamaschil menachshe inshi shelo yitol zem azalo. Why do you, I don't, you don't want to give me your wallet because I may end up taking whatever mazel you have in your wallet. So therefore, no one would ever lend that out. Everybody has a white shirt. Everybody has a red jacket. So therefore, the Gemara says colors, these things are just not identifiable. These are not reasons to say that. It's not that simonim are not del raisa. Simonim are del raisa. But these are boring and innocuous. They don't mean anything. And therefore, they, are, they remain unreliable. How does this work? I don't know. I, we, uh, we have, even DNA is not always much of a raya. And the Gemara is going to discuss a case later where if they found a, a part of your leg above the knee, that's an indicator of death. Below the knee is not. The reasonabilities, uh, the possibilities of staying alive even after injury. In, in Ravah, one of uh, biographies of uh, talks about how he spent a lot of time <clears throat> Massive aguna problems. Oh yeah, that's every war. It's terrible. That was 9/11. That was everything. It was really um, awful scenario. Correct. But even if you find the DNA, but how big is the body part that you found where the DNA is valid? If you find a tooth, that's not a raya brura that somebody died. If you find a torso. Okay, if you find a head, obviously. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. What was the, I was just remembering a Shiloh, but I can't remember what it is right now. All right, hopefully it'll come to me in a minute. All right, the Gemara says a quarter of the way down, our Mishnah had said, even if had a person been eviscerated, implying that maybe someone could have lived that way. Even had he been eviscerated, we don't trust that as Edus says that a person can live even though they've been uh, that that, they, that their body is kind of in shambles. Urminhi, the Brisa writes, a person does not become tame when they're in the room with the mace until the nefesh was yosef from the body. So it says the Gemara, you don't become tamei, but you also don't stay alive. So our Mishnah implies that if you've been partially eviscerated, you can live. And this Bryce imply, implies that you cannot. And Abai answers, What's the machlokas over here? Detanya. One is allowed to give testimony on a person who's been partially eviscerated, but that he died, but you're not allowed to give edus uh, when someone has been hanged. That when a person has been uh, eviscerated, uh, you cannot give edus that he died either, because maybe you could have done kivia, which means to burn in modern Hebrew would be cauterizing. That's uh, one of the tricks of the trade is that if you have someone who's heavily bleeding and you take a heat tipped object, which is what they do often in operating rooms, and they just touch it to the artery and you hit it in the right spot, it can stop the bleeding. So Labdafka that he died. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar was just of the opinion that it could be that the person stayed alive. How can that be? How can we say that our mission is like Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar? After all, a little bit more than halfway down, in another blot, we're going to have, um, is it another blot? Yeah, in the next blot, we're going to have the following Mishnah. 
a person was found in the was, was dumped in the water and we only found the man's leg never found the body if the cut of the leg includes the knee meaning what was severed from the body was from the femur and below so then tinase we can assume that that man died and she can remarry but it's just a, if, it, if, if the leg that was found is below the knee, it's only from the calf and down, we should assume that that person can survive. So that doesn't really work with Rabshim and Ben Elazar and our Mishnah. And the Gemara responds, shiny Maya, water is different to Marzumaka, um, because when there is already uh, a wound, the water will make things worse and will speed up the process of this person dying. Asks the Gemara, I saw this Arab uh, merchant take a knife and the guy de la gamle and he, he cut one of the legs off of his uh, camel velo afsikte lin aruse and he didn't stop screaming until the animal actually died so therefore we see that uh, that this animal can die just from being cut says the gemara maybe that camel was a weakling it was a, it was a wimpy camel uh, that died from the cut. Rava Amar, no, maybe the animal. Could be, could be. There's a lot of kashas on this because we we know a lot more now. We're we're just our brains are different, and we've probably all watched the CSI shows in one frame or another. So we're like so used to seeing this super nuance and who can live and who can die that didn't exist then. It was very simple. You cut the leg off, is he going to die or not? It was, there was the only question that was asked, cauterization, stitching, these things were like, they're like not really commonplace things. Rava Amar, how do we answer the steer between our Mishnah and the Brisa that we just saw quoted from Nazar in the beginning, uh, where we had an inference from the Tame from the Mishnah about Tuma. Rav Amar Bisakin Melubenis Again, another possibility that if a person was to be cut with a very hot knife, so then the Divriakol, that person could survive. It's a fascinating Shaila by Brismila. Are you allowed to do Brismila with a laser? Because the laser is great to use in surgery because it's 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 hot, so it stops the bleeding as you're cutting and kill two birds with one stone. So that's a shaila in the postkin. I don't believe it's allowed. Rabbi Robinson gave a share on it once, but I didn't go to the share. I just saw the topic, and I think it's us. But you can ask him. Anyways, let's learn one more second. We're going to go up to the Mishnah about 10, 12 lines down on Kufchafalaf and then we'll stop. We had said that even if an animal was chewing at the body, it's still not enough of a raya that the person is dead. That's only true if the animal was, was nibbling at a person where life does not end. He's nibbling on his toes. That won't kill anybody. He's eating a person's heart, head, neck, something very serious. Then you can already testify that that person has died. Let's say that a person, uh, that one man cuts another person's throat and he cuts through two of the simanim, the windpipe and the esophagus. He cuts through most of them or through both of them. And the person before he drops dead runs out of scene and you don't know if he died. That we can't, that's not the kind of thing you recover from. Arterial cuts to the neck are very dangerous. Says Gemara, is that true that we're allowed to be made that he died? After all, as he's dying, he tells someone, write my wife again, as he's about to die. 
So that says the Gemara, so we see that he's not dead yet. He's even functional enough that he can get a get off the ground. So it says the Gemara, that's not a riot that he isn't going to die. He just used his time wisely. Right now, he can make this right my wife again. It takes half a second. He may die five minutes later. Says the Gemara, if in fact it's true that it's in the bag that he's going to die, so then Yehegola al Yodo. Then, if it, in fact it was an accidental murder, this person was practicing swords, he didn't see that someone was in, was in reach of the knife and he accidentally killed someone, maybe he should go into Gullus. But we see that that's not the case. Why does the Brysa write that Shachat Shnaim or Rov Shnaim, that if someone accidentally cut through partially or completely the two simanim of a human being, Hareza Eino Gola? If, in fact, you're telling me it's a slam dunk that when this injury occurs, someone's going to die, then why shouldn't he go to Gullus? Says the Gemara, because Yes, it's true. It is true that by cutting this person, you've severely risked his life, but maybe the wind um, sped up the process of his death. And then the Gemara says, Inami, another possibility is Shema Ihu Kirev Misaso. Maybe he himself, top of Kufra Falaf Aleph, maybe he himself brought it, uh, brought it about by uh, moving his body around. This is what Rashi says on the top of the page, Al Yudeh He starts shaking around, and that can speed up the process of the blood leaving the body, thereby causing his death. So, two possibilities as to why it is that there is no Gullus when someone accidentally cuts the two simonim of a human being and asks the Gemara, what's the difference between these two opinions? One, that the uh, access to the wind outside could lead to a faster death, or pirchus, the shaking of the body could lead to a faster death. My benayhu, the differences could be could be in the following two cases: the shachte bebesa de shisha uparches. He was uh, cut inside a house that's made of marble, meaning that no wind can penetrate the walls. And in such a case, if he's pirchus, then if he's shaking, then that could cause the death. But there's no wind. Inami de shachte bebra. He was cut outside. Those would be nafkaminas between the two answers. Last little sugya for the night, and then we'll stop. We had said in our Mishnah, according to the Tanakama, that three days was the upper limit by which one can give testimony over a dead body, after which the body changes even uh, so much that he's not even identifiable. And Rabbi Huda had said, you can't make a hard and fast rule. And the Gemara inquires, fourth line, Rabbi Huda ben Baba, kula palig or palig? Was he being makil to say that you can even identify a body after three days? Or was he being machmer to say, no, it's one day or two day, but never more than three? Mishnah is not clear. The Gemara says, Toshma, uh, we have a raya. Dahu gavra de tova bekarmi, a person nebuch, uh, drowned in a, in a place called Karmi. And they found his body after three days. And he was able to marry off his wife because it's, uh, we see that even after three days, as long as it's still identifiable, he passed in like Rabbi Huda ben Bava on day four, whatever it was. Visu, another story. Another person who had drowned in Diglas in this particular place. In Diglas, what is that, the Euphrates? The Tigris? The Tigris Vaskuhu Agishra de Shvistana. They found his body by the bridge of Shvistana. And they found him on day five and they let, let everyone remarry. So therefore, what do we see? If you want to say that Rabbi Huda bin Bav and our Mishnah was being more lenient than the Tanakam, the Tanakam said three. He said it depends, maybe more. That makes perfect sense. In Huda Abid Huda bin Bava. Then these two post game, Rava and who was the other one? Ravdimi, they were paskening leniently because it was day three, four, and five, past the load, past the three. Ella, Iyamis the Chumra Palik, if you want to say that Rabbi Huda bin Bava was being Mahmir, in Huda Abid Keman, nobody holds that way. 
says the Gemara, that's not true. Shiny Maya Ditsamsi. It's not true. Water makes things better. Hold on a second. Ten lines ago, we just said that water sped up the fact that this guy died. That's what the Gemara asks now. But Amris Maya Marzumaka. We said that water makes things worse when there is a wound. Says the Gemara, you're right, when there's a wound. Hani Mili, when do we say that water can speed up death? That's That's when a person has a cut. The water is going to make the person's life end faster. If a person drowned with no cuts to the body at all, you just drown, then then water can keep the body a little bit better preserved. It's not going to start decomposing in the way that the body will shrivel up. It'll be more saturated with water. And this is only true. That's only true when the body was seen, that when the body was found, it was seen right away after it came out of the water. But if after the body came out of water, there was a long delay in analyzing the body, the body is going to swell up and it will then be unidentifiable. So these are some of the parameters that the Gemara discusses as to whether or not we can give Edus about a person's physical body. We'll stop right here tomorrow night. Uh, we'll learn Daf Kuf Chafalef. Um, this is the daf. This is the daf that speaks about the daf, that there was a daf floating in the water, and if only we hold on to the daf. Happens to be. Wishing you all a beautiful night.